Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. Today we're going to talk about commitment. There's power in a commitment. Many believers that I speak with are truly wanting to know God's call for their life, but some of them can't even commit to go to church on a regular basis. Commitment connects us to the purposes of God. We cannot move forward without taking a step, and most of our spiritual growth takes place in the context of the local church. Today I am going to share about how God partners with us in our commitment, and He leads us as we put our trust in Him. Now last week I shared about our decision to return to the mission field in Manila after a year of wandering and wandering at home. Now, I'm sharing these things with you that I learned the hard way, and my hope and desire is to help you all learn to hear and follow the will of God so you don't have to waste time and you don't have to wonder and you don't have to wander. God has good plans for you, and they will probably get you out of your comfort zone like they did with me, but that is the place where you truly learn to put your trust and your reliance upon him. So we had returned home to the U.S. after three years, mostly because everyone else left and I hadn't received any new direction. But that is just the point, the thing I learned. If you haven't received new direction, you should probably remain where you are. There are things that God can only do in us as we consecrate to his will And much of that involves working with people or sticking through difficult situations. You may feel like you're going nowhere, but you are being developed on the inside. And in the kingdom, being always precedes doing. So J.D. and I returned to Manila that time with a four-year commitment. And that is where the progress really began, because there's power in a commitment. Some definitions of commit from the dictionary One, to pledge devotion or dedication. Two, to put in trust or charge to entrust. And three, to consign for future use or for preservation. So to commit to something does require dedication, and it also requires entrusting ourselves to another person, or in this case, to the will of God. I looked up the word commit in the Bible, and the Hebrew word, literally means to roll or release. We read this in Proverbs 16.3 in the Amplified, where it says, Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him, and He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. Or to paraphrase, we could say, Roll your actions, your works, your business, your pursuits upon the Lord, and your thoughts, plans, and devices will be set up and will be arranged. 
As I shared last week, it's easiest, most easy to be led by the Spirit of God when you give up your will or your own agenda. So commitment to the will of God requires trust. We find this word again in Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So commitment to purpose will connect us with God's power, and God has the power to bring it to pass. We made a four-year commitment, but I'm telling you, it didn't go the way I thought it would. Well, the first wonderful confirmation we had when we moved back to Manila was finding our house. We had given up, of course, our place to live and much of our furniture and supplies, so we had to start over again, and we were looking for a house to rent. And so knowing what I know now about real estate in the Philippines, this really was a miracle. Uh, What I found out later is there's no MLS, there's no master list in the Philippines. Instead, you find a realtor and they tend to just show you the properties that they are managing so they don't have to split the commission. And so I happened to get in touch with a realtor who showed us a house. And this house was ideal in that it was halfway in between the international school where JD went and Damata, where I was teaching at the time. And coincidentally, it happened to be right by our church, which was in the middle. This house was small, but it had been custom built by our landlord. It had wide wood floors, wide plank floors. It had an inside rough stone wall with an archway. And these materials had been reused from a local or an old cathedral, I guess, that had been torn down. So it was a really unique house. We had a fish pond inside our house with koi in it, and it was opened, completely opened on the roof because it never gets cold in the Philippines. First time, we had hot water in our bathrooms, and J.D. had twin beds in his room and a desk for studying, so it was perfect for us. One of my favorite parts of the house was the outdoor covered terrace. It was like an outdoor room with a tile floor and a fan on the ceiling. It was covered and gardens all around. It was fully furnished with china. It had soft oriental rugs. It could not have been more perfect. And this really was a personal blessing. It helped me to know that the Lord personally cared about me. He was with me and on my side because a house was very important to me. Now, the asking price was way too high when we went to visit, but when I told the landlord my budget and all I could pay, she agreed to lease it to us. We lived there for five years, and we had so many wonderful gatherings, friends, missionaries, students, teachers in that house. It has many great memories for me. But the surprising thing that took place just a couple of months after my return was the director of our Bible school, who was a very close friend of mine, basically came to me and told me he didn't really need me anymore at the Bible school because he was purposefully trying to develop the Filipino leaders. And his comment to me was, well, you know, you can stay with us if you want to. I just don't feel like it'll be using you to your best advantage. And he said that he felt the Lord had something else for me. And so this was a very scary thought to me to have made this decision to come all the way back and then not really have a defined assignment. It was the perfect opportunity to change our minds and go back home, but we knew that we were supposed to be there, and so J.D. and I agreed we would stay. This brought me into a year of basically freelancing. 
teaching here, teaching there. I taught at Damata still. I taught at New Life at our church. I traveled to Taiwan. I traveled to Thailand to teach. And I also began teaching at a new mission school because I had met a missionary who had just started this mission school. And I thought, perfect. I have a great desire to train Filipinos for missions. So praise God, I was keeping busy and I was teaching at many different places. But when you're sent one, when you're a missionary, you want to have an assignment. And I guess maybe some don't, but it's not really my style just to float around. I like to be plugged in. I like to be planted. I like to be committed. And so at this mission school, I was given a lot of responsibility. There were only a few students, but the founder, the missionary from the U.S., traveled quite a bit. And he was very happy to have me there to take charge of things when he was gone. And so I was pouring my heart into these students. And for the first time on the mission field, I had the freedom to follow the Holy Spirit in whatever way I chose. You know, when I was teaching in Damata or teaching at New Life, I taught what I was asked to teach. I didn't take the liberty to try new things, but now I had that liberty and the Lord was teaching me how to follow and how to flow. Now, I should back up here and say that it had been my desire for some time to learn to follow him. I would watch these experienced ministers that would come to teach in the Bible school, and I would just wish and pray that I could hear from God and that I could flow and move in the Spirit like they did. In fact, once I was at J.D.'s school, I was watching them in a basketball game, and they weren't doing very well. It was like somebody would pass a ball and no one was there to catch it, And I was praying, and I was like, Lord, please help them. And the Lord said something so funny to me in my heart. He said, I know how you feel. That's how I feel when I watch you. And that comment just broke my heart. I thought, no, Lord, I don't want to be over there when you're trying to get me something over here. I really want to be where I can receive what you have and give it to the people. So I had been praying. I had a great desire to learn. And when I got in this mission school, I was ready to launch out and had that opportunity. Now, when I was released from Damata, I had also talked to my pastor there in the Philippines to ask if he needed my help with anything. You know, we were going to a church ever since we moved to the Philippines, a large church in Manila that was pastored by American missionaries who had been there for 20 plus years. And so we loved that church. We were involved in that church. So when I was free from my responsibility and my commitment at Damata, of course, I talked to Pastor Paul and told him that I was available to help. And he had asked me to join Tuesday morning prayer, which I said I would. But when I would go to Tuesday morning prayer, I would play the keyboard and they would just give me a list of songs I didn't lead worship, I didn't lead prayer, and of course I didn't mind helping and serving, but at the same time, whenever this mission school would call and say they had no teacher, I would always prioritize that because I had developed a great desire to teach. This went on for some time, and I believe it was probably at the end of the school year, and I was preparing to go home to the U.S. when my pastor called me into his office, and he told me that there were some changes in the Bible school and he asked if I'd be willing to teach the prayer classes. Meanwhile, he also asked me where I had been on Tuesdays, and I explained to him about the mission school and that they didn't have a teacher and they had been calling me to teach. 
And he spent some time sharing some things with me about his beginnings in ministry in the Philippines. He gave me some advice that I truly appreciated and took to heart. And as a result of what he shared, all summer I set myself to pray about where I should connect. I really wanted to be rooted and committed after a year of floating around from place to place. All summer I prayed about this and I didn't really get any specific direction. But late in the summer when we returned to Manila, the very first day I walked into the Bible school at the church to teach prayer, suddenly I heard from God. And here I want to encourage you, you know, there have been quite a number of suddenlies in my life. And I always say that suddenlies really aren't suddenlies. They're something that you prepared for ahead of time. And so a lot of times when we pray, we feel like we're not getting an answer. But when we need to know, God speaks. So I walked up to the pulpit that day to start my class, and I really heard what I would call the voice of God. Now, when we teach about being led by the Holy Spirit, we say that usually, most of the time, 99% of the time, God will lead us, one, through his word, he'll bring a scripture up to speak to us, or two, by the inner witness, which is just a knowing or a prompting on the inside of seeming good in our heart. But this was neither of those. This was a very clear and commanding voice. I would compare it to the voice I heard when I got my call to the nations. Only that had a lot more drama with it. I felt like it had wind and fire and a lot of emotion in it, whereas this didn't have all that drama. It was just a clear command. And what I heard God say to me was, you belong here. That was it. But it was so clear that after Bible school that day, I called the director of that other mission school and just told him I can't help there anymore. And when he asked me why, I said, the Lord told me I belong here. So I had the answer I had been praying for, but our pastor, Pastor Paul in the Philippines, had not yet returned from the U.S., and he had stayed longer than usual. And when he finally did return, I kept trying to get a meeting with him so I could tell him what God had told me and find out what he wanted me to do, but he was probably very busy catching up on other things, and I could never get this meeting scheduled. Now, in the meantime, there was another issue going on, which I'm a little embarrassed to share about, but I like to be really honest with you, really authentic. You know, I was harboring some resentment and some frustration against my pastor in the U.S. Now, You know, I got something as a missionary that most of you don't have or shouldn't have, and that is I had two pastors. And you know, a lot of missionaries don't even have one pastor. So I was double blessed. I had my pastor Mark at home, and then when I was in Manila, I had Pastor Paul. But I was harboring this resentment toward Pastor Mark because I felt like I'm out here alone on the mission field. I don't know what to do. I need a leader to speak in my life. And it always seemed like Pastor Mark was concerned with his own leaders in the church, with his other satellite pastors. And I just kept thinking, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't help me. And finally, the Lord again, he spoke to me. Now again, this isn't the clear commanding voice. This was just uh, knowing in my heart. And he said, why are you trying to get something from Pastor Mark that he cannot give you? Why don't you get it from Pastor Paul? Well, that had never even occurred to me. And I thought, now that is a great idea. Pastor Paul is a missionary. He probably has a greater understanding of some of the things I'm dealing with. I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's good and 
I don't want to be frustrated with my pastor. It's never the will of God for that to be taking place. So I thought it was a good solution, but then I had another problem. How am I going to get it from Pastor Paul? He had a big church, many other people. Meanwhile, I couldn't even get a meeting with him. And the thought came to me, why don't you ask him to sit in on his classes? Well, it wasn't just a thought. I really wanted to sit in on his classes because I figured that's one way I can receive from him. Pastor Paul told me yes. And so I began to sit in on his classes. And still I was trying to get a meeting and I never could get one. So my friend, the director of Demata, who's a close friend of mine, just said, Tony, why don't you just write him a letter? He's busy. Write him a letter and just have it put on his desk. And so I did that. I wrote a letter and I said, you know, I just want you to know that I felt like the Lord told me I belong here. So I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. But I did tell him the biggest thing in my heart is the Bible school. And he didn't acknowledge that letter or say anything, but I felt confident that I had shared what that I was available. And, you know, meanwhile, all of the classes were already booked for the whole year in the New Life School of Ministry. There was nothing available to teach. So the Lord had told me help here, and yet I really wasn't seeing a whole lot to do. And I was asking the Lord and praying, like, what am I supposed to do here? And I'm going to share a little bit more about that next week, about some things I got in prayer when I was praying. But Pastor Paul one day asked to see me after class. I was in his classroom and he said, can I see you in my office, Tony? And I came in. I thought he was probably going to talk to me about this crusade that we had planned. So I was shocked, to say the least, when he sat across from me at his desk and said, I was wondering if you would like to direct our Bible school. And I think I pretty much stuttered around thinking, well, I might be able, maybe I could do that because actually I was asking myself, am I able to even do that? And finally, I got a hold of myself and I said, well, Pastor Paul, I want to say yes, but it's almost Christmas break. Let me go home over Christmas and pray about it. And I will let you know when we get back in January. And so he said that was fine. So I went home over Christmas, and really I thought he would change his mind. And when I got back, he would never say another thing about it. But when he saw me on the first day I returned, he asked me, so what do you think? Can you do that? And I said, sure. And Pastor Paul said, well, let's work together for the rest of this upcoming semester, and then next year you can lead it. Okay, so that assignment, leading and directing New Life School of Ministry, turned out to be critical not only for my future, but for that church at that time. And I'll go into more as I progress with these podcasts. But right now today, I want to focus on being in the right place at the right time and being patient to hear from the Lord. He will direct our steps when we commit to follow His way. It was unsettling for me during that year and a half of transition I wanted to have a place. I wanted to feel valued. I wanted to know my direction. And the mission school I was working at looked like the right place. They had a beautiful building. It fit in with my call. They needed me. They wanted me. They were even recruiting me to be on the board. But there was something in my heart that was just not quite right. It was a little bit of uneasiness is the only way I can describe it. Sometimes when we're in a transition... We try to force things to unfold because we're uncomfortable. 
And I had a lot of pressure to do that. I kept thinking, this is great. I can be on the board of this school. I can write the curriculum. I can, you know, have the freedom to lead. And, you know, this fits in with what I'm called to do. But every time I would try to commit to that, there was this hesitation. There's timing involved in the purposes of God. And I like to think of it like a rose. You could hold a long stem rose in your hand that had a beautiful bud, and you could so much want to see what that looked like when it unfolded in all of its beauty. But if you try to pull that bud open, you're going to ruin the rose. And sometimes we try to pull things open ahead of time or force things, and at the worst, it'll ruin the plan of God. At the best, it makes things extremely difficult, and we have a lot more trouble than we need to have. I have learned over the years to follow the Lord, to wait on Him. If it's not quite right, it's not right. And wait until you know it is right. I shudder sometimes when I think of how close I came to missing the plan of God for my life. That other mission school has gone on to bless the Philippines, but for me, it would have been an Ishmael. It looked good, but it wasn't the plan that God had for me. If I'd followed my mind and not my heart, I could have missed a very important door, a critical strategic door to my calling. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. Next week, I'm going to go on and share with you about the great and effectual door that was opened when I took that position in that Bible school. But for now, let me look at the takeaways from today. Number one, the blessing of God is upon our obedience. Deuteronomy 28.2 says, All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord our God. You know, many times when we're doing our own thing and we're not 100% yielded to his plan, we lack a great deal of the blessing. But when we say yes to God, his blessing is upon his plan. Number two, when we are trusting him, he'll lead us. And that's the power of commitment. When you make a commitment, it's just like in marriage, you know, you make a commitment and then the grace will come to keep that commitment. If you don't have a commitment, if the door is open to leave anytime you're not happy anymore, you're not going to have the blessing and the power upon the commitment. So number two is when we're trusting him, he will lead us. When we commit to him, he will direct our path. Number three, we cannot judge by what we see with our eyes, but we should judge by the peace in our heart. Isaiah eleven three, talking about Jesus, says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And so we've got to learn to follow that peace in our heart. Number four, there is timing involved in the purpose of God. And sometimes that means that we have to wait. (laughs) We have to wait for things to unfold. And so I pray that my stories are blessing you. I pray that my experiences will help you to navigate the call of God, the plan of God for your life. And maybe as I teach you, even recognize some of these things that have happened in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you have been so faithful. I thank you that even when I didn't know where I was going, your hand was upon me. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you do know the end from the beginning. You declare the end from the beginning, that you are watching over your word to perform it in our lives, that you are busying yourself, directing our steps. And so we do put our trust in you. If some of my friends are feeling like they're stalled out or stuck, I just speak peace to you in Jesus' name and trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. But you know what? Sometimes we have to take a step. (laughs) And the step is sometimes that place of commitment. I thank you, Father, for friends of mine that have come to my heart right now that are looking to find their call, but they don't know what step to take. And I ask you, Lord, to reveal that next step. Just one step forward sometimes will open the next step and the next step and the way will be made. So we put our trust in you, Lord. We thank you that you are able to direct our paths. We thank you that you have specific designs, purposes for our life that are particularly planned just for us. And that when we're obedient to them, your kingdom will be increased. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope to be with you next week. I hope you tune in. Subscribe on Apple or Google or Spotify so that you can get notified every week of the new recordings, the new podcasts that are coming out. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you for being willing to listen. And I pray that this word has blessed you. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. It says, Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. It is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.